All right, hey guys, and welcome to the Three Drinks In podcast, episode number 263. We're back. Uh, I'm your host, Vince. Over there is your host, Phil. Hey. There he is. In this episode, we are talking about uh, Spider-Man into the... What is this one called again? Now that I'm... This one, Across the Spider-Verse. Across the Spider-Verse. Into was the first one. Mm-hmm. Came out years ago. This is Across the, the Spider-Verse. Part the first. Uh, before we get into all that, I want to please ask you to subscribe to this podcast on any of the streaming services, including Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Make sure that you leave us five-star ratings and reviews. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can email us at threedrinksinpodcast at gmail.com, and you can buy our merchandise over at tpublic.com. All proceeds go to us, not to charity. Four children, by children. What's that? It's four children by children. And they go, really? Yeah, well, we're all somebody's children. (laughs) (laughs) So our apologies for the long hiatus. Um, I was actually going to think about posting like a a short going, we're not dead yet. It's still still happening. But I never got around to doing that either. (laughs) My hope would be that if, if we ever stop, we would tell people. Like, don't be like those blogs from the early 2000s that just stop being updated and then you keep checking every day for three years and you're like, I guess they shut down. And then, like, <laughs> the next day it shuts down. And you're like, oh, I used to yeah. hate that. No, it's that, driving me nuts. That was obnoxious. Although I do like like leaving the door open. You know, yeah, maybe we'll come back, you know, kind of a thing. Well, that's, that's fair. Yeah. I think it's fair to tell people, like, stop updating it <laughs> yeah. every week because it's not... <laughs> Although nowadays, like you know, if we, we're just this is just going to appear in somebody's feed, and they're going to be like, "Oh, oh, they'll, they'll look their back." Like you don't you don't have to think about it too much. That's right, kind of a thing. Can't keep us down. No, <laughs> but um, we we've been busy. I was doing a couple of plays, and the last one took kind of a toll, and so I needed to like take a break from extracurricular things for a while. And then you had a baby. Yeah, yeah. So, still have them too. Yeah, you, 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 you. <laughs> well, you. They require you to take them home. Yeah, you, you can't take them back. Mm. No, it is a one-way street. Although this time, so I, I had my first baby during uh, the height of the pandemic in 2020. Yeah, you really like, it was like right in the middle of it. <laughs> they like they couldn't get us out of the hospital fast enough. Whereas this time they were like, you can stay another day. And we were like. Eh. Whatever, we'll just go home, I guess. <laughs> yeah, they were desperate yeah. to get people out of the hospital. Oh yeah, it was crazy. As, that was, not that we'd gone anywhere; we were still stuck in that room. But that was pre-vaccine too, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was wow. that was a crazy time. That was that was insane. I actually saw somebody else I know had a baby recently, and there was uh, pictures on 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 Facebook of uh, this is her, her second child as well, and her older daughter was pushing. That like futuristic crib that they send you down the hall in, and I'm mm. like, I haven't seen that kind of a picture in years. Yeah, and I they remember when do that. <laughs> yeah, no, you just you could. And when my daughter was born, I'll never forget this. It's so quaint now thinking about it. But um, there was a flu epidemic going on. Nobody knew anything about it. Like. Everyone's getting the flu, and everyone's like, "Sure, you know, I guess." In a, and it was April, so it was like the tail end of flu season, and it was kind of it was kind of an unusual kind of uptick in the flu numbers that year. And so they weren't letting any kids who were, who didn't need to be there come into the maternity ward. So my son didn't get to go to the hospital to meet his sister. We had to do that whole thing. Um, at home, which in hindsight might have been better, because having him come to the hospital, see us with the new baby, and then leave with his grandparents would have upset him. Be <laughs> like, "Well, wait, I don't get to stay. Where are you coming back home? What are you doing?" It would have been confusing. So it was actually better that he, um, yeah, he, we didn't, he, yeah, yeah, we didn't do that either. But the we didn't uh, anybody, one, one of the nurses um, who was there with us that 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 couple days. She had to wear a mask because she had not gotten her flu shot. 
that year. Mm. And she was sitting there talking to us in a mask. I remember going, it's weird talking to this lady in a mask. I wonder what she looks like kind of a thing. And then, and then boy, howdy, how <laughs> that all yeah, seems yeah. kind of like, yeah, how about that? <laughs> that was weird. Summer, <laughs> you sweet summer child, you. <laughs> yeah. uh, we all grew up so fast. We didn't have a choice. No. Well, I'll never forget when, like, you know, my wife's on her back, ready to push for the first kid, and they were like, all right, we're just going to do some tests and maybe give you a COVID swab, you know, but then we're still sticking it all the way to your brainstem. You know, even though she's minutes away from delivering a baby, and I look, I go, do I need this too? They go, no, you're okay. I was like, what? <laughs> what? Not that I wanted them to, but I was like, why, why would you test her and not me? <laughs> But I was like, uh, okay. None of it. Uh, none of it even easier sense. for the man. Uh, yeah, it didn't make any sense. So I just sort of shrugged. Right. You know. And I, I, you know, we we didn't know a lot, but also we knew lots of things. <laughs> so like, yeah, to say that we knew nothing is kind of stupid. I mean, we knew enough <laughs> that, that 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 made no sense. <laughs> so. Yeah, now, to be fair, I'd never finished medical school, but right. I can tell you that's insane. I didn't I didn't read the whole book. <laughs> you know, about, you know, medicine and stuff, so anyway. Anyway. So All right, into the Spider-Verse or no, yeah. Spider-Man <laughs> across the Spider-Verse. Yes. So, so sometimes these things all sort of blend into one. Um is the is the sequel to Into the Spider Verse, which came out in two thousand nineteen, eighteen, nineteen? I think eighteen. Eighteen, yeah. So kind of a long awaited sequel. And I'm told uh that they got this done kind of quick. Like it was one of those, one of those like record time like when they began it. Like it wasn't like a thing where like the pandemic shut them down for a while, or if it did, it wasn't like sort of like right in the middle of that is you know, this this kind of came along a good bit later, which I thought was kind of interesting in the sense that, like, these things tend to, you know, you green light the sequel almost, you know, before the first one comes out. And with the first one being such a massive hit and a surprise hit, you figure they would have, like, been all over this, but they didn't rush to make this decision, at least, or at least it doesn't seem that way. I'm not up on the trades, but um, what do you know about, like, the production business? Well, I remember... Because I remember when they first announced there was going to be a sequel, there was there was going to be two, and they said it's you know Spider Verse Part One, Part Two, and I remember being like, oh, damn it! Like I remember like being upset by that because these things tend to come out years apart, and I was like, oh, I don't I, I don't like waiting two or three years between movies like this, um, and then I think they kind of like. They waited to push this one out a little bit because of the pandemic. Like it, like they were like waiting to see if they could get it in theaters, but it was mostly done. And that's why I know the second movie is coming out next year sometime. Like it's only going to be about a year. Yeah, um, I think even a bit less perhaps. Yeah, well, I think they were working on them together. So, um, and then they changed it during the marketing at some point and they dropped the part one and part two which surprised people, but like I went into it knowing it was going to be part one. I was like, well, they said there'd be two parts to this. So like it comes right up against a cliffhanger, like a brick wall. And I, some people in the theater were like, huh? But I was like, yeah, that, that's what they said. I can't get mad at them. <laughs> I had warnings. So. Yeah. We had more warning than in Dune. Dune, they were quite wily with it where they were like, you know, you, you've, we've, we, we've got your money. You're sitting there. You know, yeah, that Dune. weird sound effect happens, and then they just tell you, Dune. They were coy about that for some yeah, reason. They were yeah, really like, they didn't, like, people asked, like, is it going to be more than one movie because it's such a big book? And they were like, ah, oh, you'll have to wait and see. And the answer was just, yes, <laughs> it's going to be more than one part. And it was called Dune and all the posters and everything. And then when the movie started, a little part one, you're right, popped up on the screen. Like, oh, by the way, it's one part here. <laughs> yeah. like, it literally, it was like, because Dune is, in the, I think, is a beautiful um, bit of like graphic design, the way that they they, they, they had that word, uh, like the typeface, how it was basically all the same 
curvy letter, and they just added the bit there for the um, for the E. They just look cool, and then like giant letter, and then right below, fade in, fade out, part one. <laughs> it's just they were like, yeah. <coughs> right. Also, yeah, I saw. Um, I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> like it sort of hits you. Like, better remember this in two and a half hours when the movie stops. Not it. Right. Yeah. Stops. <laughs> you just sort of like, you know, you know like, the, like you almost saw like that in between lines of film kind of like VCR thing where they were like, if, if, he, if he had paused at the, at the wrong moment, it would, ca- it would capture that band of like static. Um, <laughs> but we can talk about sequels later. I'm the thing I listened to today about sequels I was curious about. But, um, so, what did you think of Across the Spider Verse? Um, I just had a baby, so I went to see it late. I was like, the only time I can really get out is if I go, you know, past eight o'clock. So, I saw it at eight, started at eight thirty, moved right along. I'm enjoying myself immensely. It's a good movie. I'm having fun, and then we got to about ten, ten fifteen. And I started to melt into my chair <laughs> because I was so tired and I was like trying to keep my eyes open and I felt like I was being bludgeoned to death with, with visual stimuli, um, which is a pretty good metaphor for how I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was good. Uh, some parts were better than others. I don't think it's as good as everyone seems to be saying. Uh, the praise for the movie is off the charts. Uh, I'm finding it hard to believe why that is, but um, I thought it was really well done, obviously. The visuals are a big standout, of course, um, between the styles and the, the the action sequences and the music is fantastic as well. Mm, yeah. um, the voice acting is good. like All that stuff is really, really good. Um, I think it was just, it had some odd pacing issues and it's only half a movie. So when it got to the end, I was like, I wish this was not over because it doesn't, it, it, it didn't wrap up as well as I'd hoped. Um, but it, it wasn't a bad movie. It was just, it only felt like one half of a movie. So what you were watching was great. if a little bit overstimulated. And then it was like, all right, well, see you in a year. You know, yeah. but uh, I, I enjoyed it. What did you think? Well, I think that new parent mode is not the energy you want to bring into this, this, this viewing. Cause like, the, it sort of starts pretty slow. Like the first third of the movie is, it isn't even even really about your main Miles Morales character for a while. Like you got to spend some time with with Gwen as Spider Lady or Spider Girl, uh, and um, and that's not that stuff's not bad. And like in taken taken into context of a full, basically four and a half hour movie. Which is hard to do. Like that's the, and again, we'll talk about the sequels later. But like, you're right. You want to think like, okay, well, I can't really give much of a review because I haven't seen the whole movie yet, and it isn't even like it's a sequel. The next film, it's the rest of this movie. You know, they just they they had so many things that they wanted to do with this story that it, it's too. It was simply too large to. To contain it in one sitting, like we you know, we we can't do it like Solaris, the original Russian movie, where it's like nine hours long with two meal breaks in the middle of it. Like you know, it can't function like that. But that's what kind of what they're trying to do. Like I never understand why. You know, we've been talking about the shrinking American attention span for the last thirty years, and then it's like you know what we should do: make everything about thirty-eight percent longer. That's what we need to be doing. Yeah, this is one. I think this is the now the longest animated movie in American history. It's two fifteen, I think. Yeah. No, yeah. it's oh yeah, it's long. It's a long movie. Yeah. So. And there are parts where it feels it's certainly in the beginning, but like that bit at the end where you were just getting just fatigued. Um, I was not. I was actually sitting up and getting really into it at that point. It's like oh, oh we're done. Oh, all right, we're and like <laughs> movie ended. I'm getting up to get like to go home, and like I had known because of you and the guy in the who like handed me my, my, my ticket said there is no end credit sequence. You can just leave. Like please go home when when the movie is over. 
And so I just sort of got up and left, and everyone's like sitting there, like like I almost want to yell back, "You guys can go." Yeah, that happened in my my theater too. It's just, everyone it's just over. sat there. I was like, "Guys, come on, let's go." There's, there's nothing. There's nothing. It's, it's all young kids are just it. sitting there. <laughs> They're sitting there shooting this shit, so like whatever. But um, but I I really liked it. It's is it better than the first movie? No, the first movie is really really wonderful. It's the story is is structured perfectly. It's very very well paced. Um, you know you 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 connect to all the weirdo characters. There aren't too many of them that you have to keep track of. I mean, there was Spider T Rex in this. It really goes off the rails for a while there. Yeah, Spider Cat. Spider Cat. It's just Spider. there was a cat that like ran on his face. Yeah, <laughs> just like dressed like Spider Man. I was like, yeah, sure, it's okay. Hairballs, like, and like it's cute, and like they all have like their own realities where physics is different. And okay, I get it. Um, but like. The, the 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 parts of the movie I think were actually greater than its sum, you know, which is usually not what you want. You don't want the bits and pieces of the film to sort of stand out apart from the whole thing, but they do here. I think that the animation is unbelievable, both in what they decided to do, both in the in the depth of each world that they inhabit, and you know the 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 way that they were able to differentiate between everybody. I mean, it was so clear that even though they were all spider entities, you know, they were so vastly different from each other in so many ways, both visually and character-wise. And, like, trying to... I don't know. How would you manage all of that? That's just insane. You know, it's... It was yeah. it was just bananas, and so like I, I thought that that part was you know, you know that that was really great, and like the music was so like every little bit in the movie, small moments with characters, voice acting, like they're all fantastic. They're better than the movie as a whole, and I'm gonna say that's. I say that tentatively because we haven't seen the rest of the film, and maybe when we when it does, we'll sit down and like watch the whole thing back to back and watch this one again and then go to the theater and then watch that one. I don't think that's going to work. I think they I think they ultimately handicapped themselves by not being able to tell a more succinct story. But um it was still a lot of fun to watch and you know the the action sequences are just incredible. The way in which that they move him around in the frame and it's chaotic and insane but you can still follow it like I didn't I was tired and, and sort of overwhelmed by it at times, but I wasn't going. I I can't even. Who is this guy? Like I like I was during just the trailer for the next Transformers movie, which I was like, oh, we're doing this again. This in you know incomprehensible, you know flotsam that just flies around the screen for two hours, starring the guy from In the Heights who used to be in Hamilton is is now making you know Transformers pictures. Yeah, I mean, good for him, but Jesus, I guess that's a step up. Maybe sidestep. I, I hope know. they paid him. But no, I thought it, I thought it was great. I thought it was a really great. Is it the greatest thing ever? No. I mean, I haven't read all the praise. I just I just knew that it was getting good reviews, and so I was like, ah, I'm sure this is going to be fun. And it, and it was. Yeah, it was. Um, I knew that was going to happen when. It was the first scene, and um, Gwen Stacy ends up fighting like a different version of the Vulture, who looks like he's from a Renaissance notebook. Yeah, like he's in like black and white and tan colors, and he's like got like uh, what do they call that? Like steampunk weaponry and everything. And she like blurts it out, like, "Let me guess, you were in a, a Renaissance cafe, and you just got sucked into a wormhole." And I was like, "The balls on these people! Like, this is the first scene of the movie." Yeah. And it's like visually just it's not it's not a mess. It's just so much is happening. <laughs> and they it's just not... do such do such a good job in that like the the two styles are obviously so different and yet it doesn't hurt your eyes to look at that. No. You know? Like even when the villain pokes his head through and he sees the the dotted 
universe for like two seconds where it looks like the 1930s in Manhattan. And he still looks the same. He's a 3D image. And he like looks in and he's like, wow, this is cool. And I was like, it doesn't look strange that he's in the wrong universe in a different animation style. When normally your brain should shut down and be like, this image doesn't make any sense. You know, yeah. they, they blend it somehow. It doesn't bother you, which is, it's just amazing how they do it. Even punk rock Spider-Man, like, you know, British, you know, 1970s British um, punk rock guy, like, it, he stood out, but he was he, still communicating with all the other people. He was still having, you know, non-verbal communication with other you know with other characters in the in the frame and you were following it like it didn't it, it was it was not at yeah, all he, visually confusing he, he's the only one i had trouble with because his extended beyond him yeah like the, the scenery around him would also match his art style from his old comic books so like he was a little bit harder to understand I mean, I couldn't understand his accent for one thing because I was exhausted. But also, like the the visuals around him were would sort of bend in shape, so it was hard to see what he was doing. But all of those characters are based on the comics and the way that they're drawn. So, like that's how Spider Punk is drawn in his issues. You know, they're all one shots mostly. But and Gwen Stacy's universe, when she, like she talks to her father, and it's like washed out with pinks and blues and whites and stuff, like. That's how she was drawn in her first covers. And just they just sort of like picked that. And like, well, that was her distinctive style for that one issue. Let's just make the whole universe look like that. And I was like, wow, that's, that was clever. It was incredibly mm-hmm. clever. And it also allows you to do things. You know, film is always the most, you know, manipula- man- manipulating of, of mediums. Which is why, like, I hate to watch documentary movies because you're not allowed to come to your own decisions about the information being presented to you the way you can in a book. Um, because, like, you just point the camera at a thing and you can just tell people what to pay attention to. And if you can get the guy to do the lighting and the and then the music and the acting the right way, well, then you you can make them feel all kinds of things very much on purpose. But the style that they went with, especially with Gwen Stacy, you could, you know, changing the color palette, changing the tone, you didn't have to do anything particularly crazy with the, you know, with the camera setups. It's just basically like when she sneaks into her, into her room or his room, that, that like early part of the movie, it's a basic kind of like a secondary meet cute. Like here, oh, we're back here again and they're talking and whatever else. And it's a, you know, two shot over shoulder type thing it's not a big deal but like when they change the color of the screen or of the you know of what's going on it makes you feel certain ways because it it indicates to you what they're going through in a lot of you know it just took the pressure off the writing you didn't have to write what everyone was thinking or feeling all the time and it took the pressure off the the animators to create facial expressions constantly it was just like if the mood the, the the color palette will dictate the mood. You can't mm-hmm. do that in other things, but you can do it here. And and you can it, do it for just that scene if you need to. Right. It like, doesn't like have it doesn't to happen everywhere. Yeah. And there are times it does, and there are times they 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 do use things to indicate. You know, to to give you certain information that doesn't that does seem kind of out of place, like the big weapon at the end. Um, was so powerful that you know it was definitely, it's you know you you could kind of play with it and make it seem out of place. But mm-hmm. it, it reminded me the whole thing reminded me of the guy who wrote the music for the Little Mermaid. His name was Howard Ashman, and he wrote the Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast and um, part of Aladdin. Him and Alan Menken. I think uh, so. Mencken did the music, and Ashman did the lyrics. And I remember he was being being interviewed for something. It's this one thing is always used in these documentaries about him, where he, uh, you know, he was saying like he had minimal success in New York theater. He he 
wrote uh, Little Little, Sh- Little Shop of Horrors, which was like a huge bro- like off Broadway sensation, and it's 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 yeah, been on Broadway. Um, but he wasn't very successful. He was just very talented, and he said like animation is where musical theater exists most comfortably on film. And I'm paraphrasing here. It's like, you know, there's something about film being, you know, the photograph. You kind of want a, a realistic image if that's what you're doing. And there's something very unrealistic about people singing randomly to express their feelings when they've run out of ways just to simply speak. It works in the theater because you're suspending your disbelief by just getting over the fact that the person in front of you is going to pretend to be somebody else for the next two hours. And it just, but it, that doesn't work on film. If it's a film, if, if it's a filmed musical, people have a hard time with that. They want something more realistic and sort of naturalistic than, than, than what you get from um, musical theater. But with animation, you can do all that. This is the primary reason I think that the Disney live-action remakes of all their other movies are sort of embarrassingly terrible because they've taken this idea and they went, huh, that's interesting, but we could also make a lot of money. So let's do that. Like, I saw The Little Little Mermaid a couple weeks ago and... That's unfortunate. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it it wasn't good at all. I mean, some of parts of it people could sing. Well, that was fine. But anyway, the most disappointing bit in the whole movie to me was the the, the under the sea number. Because that's a very exciting, jubilant number about fish playing instruments. Cuz fish don't know how to do that. <laughs> and in this movie, they played the same song with all the references to fish playing instruments. But none of the fish played any instruments. They just kind of sang and swam or this dance and swam around with Sebastian doing all the singing. And I'm like, you don't have a hot crustacean band. What are you talking mm-hmm. about? There's just a bunch of things floating around to the beat. What's the matter with you people? Like, you know, they, they literally have a whole riff. You know, the, the fluke play the flute and the carp play the harp and there's all these different really cute... Like, that doesn't make any sense if they're not doing it. So, it just... It it doesn't work. And it... I mean, that was just embarrassing. I'm like, did no one bother to look at what they were doing? <laughs> did anybody read the song before they decided to animate this? This is ridiculous. We, so, we all know fish don't really play instruments. <laughs> Oh, I know. Yeah. So the thing that that I was thinking about was it, after so many years of trying to create a naturalistic looking superhero movie where beginning in with with Richard Donner in 78, the tagline for the film was you'll believe a man can fly because that was the thing nobody could get over that hurdle of like, you know, the visual effect. Well, we've conquered that six ways from Sunday. We we're making animated movies out of every, you know, the, the you know, Guardians. These are all just animated films. But they're made to look very realistic because that's what people have wanted since the 70s. Okay, we, we've done all that. We've exhausted the whole thing. And so perhaps the way forward is to utilize animation in, in other ways that, you know, this is proved you can make a an an adult accessible action hero movie that's animated employing a variety of styles simultaneously and I, you know i i wonder if anyone's going to get the message like this is probably the best way to go moving forward because you can simply have more control over what the kinds of things you want to tell in your story and you know, it may be that the like the will will believe you know actual f- photo real photo realistic film for like boring old dramas you would get you know years ago that they don't make anymore. Well, I mean, I think if you're gonna do it, it it's harder in live action. If you're gonna do it for cartoons, I feel like people might learn the wrong lessons, 
and be like, people like really wacky, high kinetic energy fight scenes, right? That's what people want to see. And then they'll just do that instead. Instead of being like, oh, you mean we can use this the visual medium to also convey emotions? It's like, because so many of these animation studios have a house style that they rarely deviate from. And most of them don't do anything like this. So it's like, hey, you like Pixar? We try to make it as realistic as possible, except the people, you know? And I, I don't think they're going to change. I assume they won't take the right lessons from the film, but eh, I've been wrong before. It's been known to happen. Yeah. I mean, I think like with everything, you know, when, when somebody comes along and sort of changes the, the game a little bit and says, oh, no, this you you can do this, this this can work, the, you know, they'll you'll get... For every ten pictures you make, you'll get eight better like that that take the wrong lessons from it and go just kind of make it wackier until it's just noise, just visual mm-hmm. noise and chaos. And then there'll be two that are great. And I think that the amount of detail that goes into this though is is exceptional. Yeah. And I I think it's hard to come by for for just anything. You know, like there's a spot at the end when the guy tells everyone to catch Spider-Man and all the Spider-Men are looking at each other ah. and they all do the, they all point fingers and they go, you, me, was it you he wants? And for a split second is the Spider-Man from the Marvel game that came out a couple of years ago. He's in that scene and he like points to somebody and he's done like he's a video game character. He looks totally different from the person next to him, which is like, the 1940s looking Spider-Man. I mean, it's only up there for like two and a half seconds. My brain just happened to catch his logo because his big white spider on his chest is, is distinct. And like the amount of effort it takes to make that three second frame look like that. I mean, first of all, you better be paying your artists well, but also you got to get people who know what they're doing and take the time to put it in and do it right. And that's really hard to come by. Yeah, I I really want to learn more about the team of people who made this movie because it doesn't it sort of doesn't make any sense. Like this really does seem like it kind of came out of nowhere. Like you've got you know, I just listened to a thing a podcast about the creation of Pixar Studios and then um DreamWorks Animation and you know, all these different like giant animation studios, Disney and the other ones that have been around for years. You're right. They all have a style and they don't really deviate from that no matter what they're doing. Like they, you know, Pixar makes great movies and they make wildly different movies. You know, like the, the, the Incredibles and Inside Out have almost nothing in common. They're very, very different kinds of stories, but they kind of all look the same. They kind of have this sort of like very smooth and round, you know, exaggerated humanoid features to all of them. You know, like the good dinosaur kind of looks like, you know, Mr. Incredible in some ways. The eyes are always the kind of like the same shape. And so mm. like, there's and, that, and that's fine. Same thing was true, you know, for for, uh, for Disney. They all kind of look like the princesses. They don't really they don't really look different from each other at all. Um, but for this, you've got. I mean, you've got a lot to work from, which is like here, just draw all these these nine thousand characters. They just have to fill this fill the screen here. So, like, great. <coughs> you've got a lot to work with, but like, they didn't shy away from any of that. They didn't try to blend it all. The unique nature of each character was taken into consideration when it was when it was drawn and rendered. And that's that that's not distracting. It's it it enhances the whole thing because you. You know, but like, who would have thought to do this? I don't know. Like, they're all playing with the, you know, with the multiverse, even in the the last round of um, what you call it with the, with uh, Tom Holland and them. All. Like, they're they're all playing with that. Uh, yeah, that's the the story du jour, Sam. Well, it it always it's always fun to me because it opens up a lot of possibilities. And like the thing when it's done well is that you don't really notice what's going on. 
Like it's like that 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 show Sliders from years ago, you know, where they where they would jump from different versions. I loved that show. I used to love that show. <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, you it know, was a good show. Overcast John Reese Davies and oh, Jerry man. O'Connell and talking about a show that went that went off the rails. Like they were like, they had a a great like fr- you know situation of the week episodic structure where they would you know jump f- to different dimensions trying to get back to their own where you know earth was slightly different in every place they went to and then they were like well no now they've been taken over by aliens and there's some kind of like a morlock versus the humans thing i'm like wait what yeah even john rice davies was like i'm gonna i'm gonna leave you guys can finish this without me like he quit he quit the show he was like i, I don't want to do this anymore He's like, i don't need it i don't need this yeah but those first couple seasons were pretty good um, so but like you know your main character doesn't live in your universe. I don't even know which universe, and this is the fun part, which universe is ours? Do you know that answer? I don't. No, I don't think you're supposed to know. I think the Peter with the baby in this one is the closest. Yeah. That's... Just based on the first movie. Because that was the thing I couldn't recall from the first movie was like where which one was yeah he he came from one that was like closest to ours just judging by the things he said he did and like the the signs around him when he was in his own little universe for like the split second you see it it looked like signs that we would see you know Coca Cola things like that yeah Um, and. And so I guess the original one that would be in the the what you and I theoretically would be living in was the one where the with the with the original Spider-Man. That would right. be our universe. If you had mm-hmm. to find one for you know, for the reader, because I actually like I looked up like what's you know number zero zero one, and it's like I was like oh maybe, maybe, maybe that's one. Nope, that one is like you know the gods populated that, and like it was like I read about that like well like one paragraph I go oh this is not what I expected it to be. Oh. I- if you're looking for the, like the one that we all know from the last like seventy, eighty years of comics, is that what you're saying? Yeah, like the original Amazing Spider-Man um, number one. That is from Earth six one six. That's the the main Marvel continuity. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing special about the number. They just like, you know, when there's fifty guys working on a comic, they just randomly pick that number and it's stuck. And they've kind of been stuck with it ever since. And every Marvel universe afterwards is always another different numbered offshoot. So they have like a big book somewhere in Marvel headquarters that like lists what every world is. So like it's really long now. <laughs> but, I mean, they were into but, the fifty thousands in this movie. Like there was, yeah, some of them jump. I mean, they don't do every so, single one, right? But there were just so many of them. Yeah, there's a lot. There's yeah, a like lot. all those characters were real characters. They were not invented. I don't think for this movie. Yeah. yeah, and I read the original Spider Verse comic book. This is all based on, and like a lot of those Spider Men were one offs that were only made for that that set of issues. The Spider Woman, the Gwen Stacy one, was only in that as like a cameo almost, but she was just drawn so distinctly. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great. She uh, has a really good costume, and like she took when she took her mask off and said, "I'm Gwen Stacy." Like, you know, when it first came out, it was a big deal because Gwen Stacy hadn't been seen in the comics in a long time. And, like, it, she was so popular in this one-off that they were like, maybe we should do a thing on her. And the next thing you know, like, a bunch of them got it. But Yeah. Um, so I... Well, not to shit on the movie, but I'm going to say what I didn't like now. I don't know if this movie needed to have a Spider-Verse in it. And I say that because... It's kind of in the title. I know. (laughs) Yes. I was just thinking about it. So like in the first movie, it worked really well because all the different spider people came to his universe. And, you know, they all have the distinct animation style. It's just the same as this one. All of them came to his universe and they all had something in common in that they all lost someone close to them. And they were explaining to him how being Spider-Man worked. They all have something that makes them who they are. It it was great. It was really well done. 
this movie has two competing stories and the the second one doesn't start until over an hour into the movie like you said before like the first third of the movie is kind of slow you spend time with Gwen Stacy then you spend time with him and it's all about like he's trying to juggle being a kid and being Spider-Man and like he struggles with telling his parents because he's always getting in trouble and he feels alone that the other spider people have never reached out to him not that he knows that they're out there you know he he feels alone that he's spider-man and he has no one to share that with okay and then when he meets all the other spider people and he meets uh oscar isaac's character spider-man 2099 and they say well you're not supposed to be here and then they're like they start blurting out all this stuff about, you know, every spider person has a canon event in their lives that makes them Spider-Man. And it's always a tragic death of someone that's close to him. And, you know, you're not even supposed to really be Spider-Man. You're, you're a mistake. You're an anomaly. We need to lock you up so that you don't cause the destruction of an entire universe. Like the stakes go from zero to a hundred really fast. Yeah. And then at the very end, spoiler alert, He's sucked back into a different reality than he's used to where his alter ego is a bad guy because he lost his father and not his uncle. And without his father and without his ability to become Spider-Man, he turns into a bad guy instead. Mm. And I, maybe I'm wrong. I'm still struggling to understand what any of those things have to do with one another. What does being alone and wishing you could share your Spider-Man-ness with someone, specifically a girl, have to do with destroying reality and all the other Spider-People. I think the point is that it doesn't have anything to do with that. But okay. Spi- but, <laughs> but, you know, Spider-Man, as played by Oscar Isaac, um, thinks it does. Like his His whole point was that, like, I tried to screw with this. I lost. Um, what was it? Like he lost his family. Yeah. Or, or they uh, like. He, yeah, he lost, he lost his family, his and then family. and then and some di- other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like basically, he 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 is from Universe A, and he loses his family, and in Universe B, he dies, and so he finds a way to go there and then goes oh this is great I'll just pretend to be me from here and it ends up screwing a lot of things up like he, you just can't re- insert yourself into a different dimension Yeah, and you know if Everyone you do else that disappears right like if you do that yeah like if you try to do that, that for dimension. too long it yeah it's like it becomes unstable and people be, you know, begin to vent like that part wasn't entirely clear what exactly it was that was happening, but it's it's a bad idea was his point, right? And you know he's saying is like you as a because the spider that bit him came from Earth forty two. He's from Earth not well. He's a different Earth, and so because of what happened to you, the Spider Man from your universe dies prematurely. And it's again, this is not. Miles' fault. This is all the fault of the people who were trying to. I guess it's the kingpin, in you know, it's the kingpin's fault. Yeah, trying to you know <laughs> just futz with you know w- you know with the universes, and you know so they they're they're put of they're putting all of their blame on, um, on Morales to be like, okay, this is really your problem here because you shouldn't even exist, and. It, it it doesn't make sense, but it's because he's the bad guy. It's wrong. He's he's kind of insane. It's it, what what makes what makes less sense is like why is he in charge of all of this? It's like that's the thing I don't really get. Right, like when he when Miles goes into the Spider Planet and like he sees all these different Spider Men, I was like, okay, but it, it seems so disconnected from everything else. So that when he, like for the first third of the movie, and I was like, this was really good when it was just him and Gwen. And like, I don't know, maybe the other Peter Parker that was like his mentor in the first one who's there, but he's most like comic relief at this point, you know? So like when it switches to that other set of things, I was like, I'm not sure 
I'm not sure what the tone's going for here anymore. And then at the end, when he goes into the wrong universe and Gwen decides that everything Miguel O'Hara decided to do was wrong, because all the other spider people are like, this is not what we said we were going we were gonna to do. Or this, we're, I don't agree with doing it this way. I was like, I would love to know what you had talked about before this, because this is really drastic. <laughs> you know, like yeah, like she sneaks in there. She has like a secret mission, and like he's spying on her. And I think the problem with there is that your point of view is muddy. Like the movie begins from her point of view, and then it shifts to his point of view. We go, okay. It's a buddy cop thing. But then you get a lot of information from, uh, uh, what's his face? Um, Oscar Isaacs. Like, okay, so you get his his information too. Like, so like, who is it we're supposed to be learning things from? Because Morales doesn't know anything. He's learning along. But she knows lots of things. And you, you, we're not figuring out what they are from her. And so like, you're right. Like, what what you guys talk about before this started that you now go, boy, that was a really bad idea. We shouldn't have done that. Yeah. It ended up being kind of chaotic there on that little train to the moon. Oh, yeah. That's where they were losing me. I was like, I'm, uh, I can't keep up. I'm so, I was so tired, but it was so exhausting as well. Yeah. You I know? mean, it, it, you should watch it. Maybe it's breathtaking to watch him thread the needle there and like, you know, because you, you don't if you're if you're awake you don't lose him like you can still see him like you know, doing all that stuff it's cool it's it's a really amazing scene yeah it it just what it's what made the end of the movie because it felt long and i was like oh like i figured out he was in the wrong dimension like immediately i did too yeah. i thought that she i thought she would be there too and like she would find the toy that she opened up still in its package. Was was mm-hmm. kind of like lo- looking for that visual cl- uh, clue because there were so many things like that in there. But no, she just yeah. was. She was in the right one. He and he was in the wrong one. He was in the wrong one. And then, um, like you're supposed to be shocked that the other version of him is the bad guy. But I kind of just shrugged because I was like, "We're doing this now, okay?" You know, like he's in the wrong spot. This is where he's. This is where the computer sent him, thinking he belongs here. Yeah, and I was like, I, I guess we're doing a thing where, like, if you had made the right decision at a certain point, this is what would have happened to you. And I was like, but that's not what they were talking about before, because someone still died in this universe. Like his in that version, his father died, and they were kept going on and on about how somebody has to die. <laughs> like, you know, you. It, Tragedy is part of being a Spider-Man. Like you you have to do the right thing because you feel responsible to other people. So when people are complaining that the movie stopped, you know, it, that's frustrating. But to me, it was more the fact that the movie just ends. It doesn't have one of those emotional catharsis moments where you feel like you've sat, you know, you've, you've done something here. Like think of the Lord of the Rings. I was going to say, like, you want to talk about, like, how to do sequels yeah. to things like the, the first lord of the rings they lose a guy the the group breaks up but they all decide to be you know determined in what they're going to do next and that sets up the next film so it has this emotional release where you're like that was a that was a thing let's do it like let's come back next december or whatever whereas this one just ended and i'm like i'm not sure how i'm supposed to feel about these characters yeah because you know, his thing is all over the place and Gwen Stacy's gets fixed. She has a big emotional thing with her father. And the only thing that was stopping that was that she refused to face him. Like she has this big falling out with him in the beginning when he finds out that she's Spider-Woman and he thinks that she killed her version of Peter Parker. And then she runs away from him and it takes the rest of the movie for her to just go back and face him. And then they just have it out and he's fine. So like there wasn't anything she really had to do. I'm sure someone will tell me I'm wrong that she had to, she had to stand up for miles and therefore she's standing up for herself. Whatever. It didn't feel that way is my point. No. It just yeah, felt she, like this is this just on hold until the movie needed her to talk to her dad again. Yeah. She was, she was hiding from him, but this, like, it was unclear what the stakes were going to be. Like, there was no, you know, 
there was no way for the the audience to know anything other than <laughs> you know if I go back, I think it would be bad for me because I love my dad. There was no sense of like, you know, I've been monitoring that universe and they're scouring the place looking for me and my dad has gone insane now. You know, like, I, there was none of that because there really couldn't have been. You, 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 it wouldn't have made sense. And that was the thing. It was like just teenager who hurt her dad's feelings by doing the wrong thing won't go home because she's, she's afraid of what he's, he's going to do. And she gets there, and she's like, "He's like, well, I love you, so it doesn't really matter that you, you know, that I thought you once murdered somebody, and then you tell me that you did. like, it, it, it was sort of disproportionate to what, what was going on." Yeah, and I loved that scene. It was a great oh, it was, scene. It looked great. The acting was great, well, but all, it was like the thrown there at the well. end. Like, and now yeah. we can move on and do the. Really, that's what was holding us back the whole time. Yeah, so. I think it's the idea that, because I'm sure it's a stretch, or at least I'm thinking it now that I'm thinking it through <laughs> in my brain. The 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 problem that Spider-Man 2099 has, the futuristic one, is that everybody has to do things a certain way, or it'll destroy the universe. And Miles, you know, obviously unhappy with that, because they say when your dad becomes the police chief captain, the villain will probably kill him, and it will set you on the path to being. Spider-Man some more? I mean, he's already Spider-Man, but whatever. Um, and so I think when Gwen talks to her father and he decides, he goes, I quit being a cop. It's costing me my daughter. That's like the first time that something's different. She she kind of is like, there's, a, there's another option than just the one that future Spider-Man keeps telling us about. Right. So, but that's pretty subtle. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I I got that, but it, you know, it's not it's not only subtle. It's just it's not conclusive. Like it's like I guess he could still die. Yes. Like like you know he like quitting his job and dying. Yeah, those are those are different things. But <laughs> I don't know that it, it's so different that like he can't die later. Right? Like, do they have to be police captains? Can't they be anybody <laughs> else? <laughs> <laughs> that's what they, that's what they, they kind of they kind of kept harping on. Like, well, you saved Captain So and So when he should have died. I'm like, well, I guess it was also weird to me that they're like, well, that's what every Spider-Man has to deal with. And I'm like, but wasn't Uncle Ben the one they had to deal with? They're already right. Spider People, aren't they? Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, yeah, it's. <laughs> It's not very, very strong. Ooh. The lights flashed over here. That's not a good sign. Um, yeah, which is what I, I felt was the weaker part of it because then, like, the other stuff was so much better. Yeah. You know, so, like, doing this whole Spider-Verse stuff, like, it's it's the point of the movie, but I'm like, but this part of the movie isn't as good. Just do a Miles Morales, Gwen Stacy movie. Yeah, you're adding, and then we have, we didn't even talk about the the spot at all. Like ah, uh, the spot. <laughs> there was you know, there's a whole other aspect, like another villain, and I don't think that the villains were competing, and it's hard to do of you know a film with two villains. I thought they they did it really well, uh, because they are you know connected tangentially to each other pretty strongly, but um, you 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 you, you kind of spend more time figuring out the logistics of their decision-making process that you don't really, you know, you kind of forget about that one one other character who's really not there to do much of anything but just be the nemesis and talk about how, like, you know, I can move throughout these different dimensions and, you know, like, there's not, not much to him. Seems. He He's interesting and in they like, he, he starts off as a nobody. Yeah. And they, and they joke about that. And he very quickly becomes unbelievably important. And he's, it's done in such, and like the same guys who did the Lego movie produced this movie and they did the first Spider-Verse where like everything happens really, really fast. And certain lines of dialogue are happening during these fast sequences that are very, very important. So like when he's fighting him in the beginning of the movie, like 
he's saying all these really important things that are extremely important to, to pick up on, but you're barely listening because of all the stuff you're watching. Like they're flipping through a bazillion little black holes and like popping out in different places. And as he's, as they're doing that, he's going on about his motivations and his characterization and his plans for the rest of the movie. And I'm like, wait, stop. I got to write that down. I'm like, there was like a notepad, like trying to keep track of all that stuff. Cause in the beginning they make fun of him. He's a villain of the week. And then he kind of disappears for a while. And then by the end of the movie, he's about to destroy the universe. <laughs> it's like, I, I might've missed a line, but I mean, it was well done, but it was, it was fast. And he becomes more of a plot device and less of a person. Right. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, he, there's he less just, to him, you know, beyond like, yeah, I want revenge. Cause you made me like this, I guess. Yeah. He's not as strong as like Kingpin was in the beginning. Yeah. And he wasn't the, the you know, the best villain either but at least he was it was a motivation you could understand yeah. so. so the thing i was listening to earlier today was just about like talking about sequels and part ones and part twos and beyond star wars the empire strikes back and the lord of the rings has anybody ever really successfully done one of those like like is a really solid trilogy or sequel where like what one film isn't so much a next story but like a continuation of the first story uh i've always got a soft spot for back to the future yeah that was the other one that, that, that they mentioned a lot well, but also because like since they filmed two and three back together uh, uh, uh back to back which probably i've never seen the third one I don't know what I've been doing. Oh, I should. Uh, but, <laughs> <It's good>. like, <laughs> but like I've seen the first one a few times. The second one once. And then the third one I just I never got to it. <laughs> I was like I we I kinda missed these. I was too young for this when we know when it came out. I saw it ten years later. But um <laughs> They uh, make it back to the future. <laughs> yeah. They do. Um, um, but like that, those ones, and yeah, so like, like they talk about like the Matrix trying to do it, but like the Matrix re- Revolutions was so poor compared to the Matrix Reloaded. People are saying that like the, the Matrix Reloaded is like doing better in with with hindsight now. I go, I think that's not true. I think it still has massive flaws. I think it's about as good as it used to be, which is yeah, to say not very. <laughs> Which which That's which isn't to say you, there aren't not good. there aren't amazing things in that film like the 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 fight sequence in the chateau and then the highway is just great. I love the highway scene. Uh, yeah, you know, but like that's not a good movie. Like it's really not a good movie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I can't. I'm hard pressed to think of anything beyond those those three. And I think oh, because Godfather. there's something about like the end of the story feels complete and then we go and when we go over here mr frodo on our next adventure we'll do it this way and like you get a sense as to what's coming having concluded something and i don't think anything else has done that like they just just don't do that no well i mean the lord of the rings is is really one story broken into three parts Sure, but it was filmed in such a way that like there are no cliffhangers in it other than right. I wonder if they're going to survive this insanely ridiculous journey. Um you know I I would also say and it's a stretch, and I'll give you this. But if you watch the original Star Trek movies, Star Trek 2, 3 and 4 all connect to one another. Even though they all tell extremely self-contained stories. Well, thank you, Nicholas Meyer. <laughs> That's what that is. It's the same guy wrote and directed all three of them. So he's like, I'm just going to do my own thing. Uh, yeah. And everyone's going to love it. You know, you know Rathacon, the best Star Trek movie. Yes, but then after that, and Spock dies, the next movie is about Spock coming back to life. And then, Oh, wait, no, three found. was not. No, three was Shatner, sorry. Or was it was five Shatner? Five no, was but Shatner, two, three was... Yeah. Three, three was, was Nimoy. Nimoy, yeah. Right? No, no, no. Four, Meyer directed four. two, Wrath of Khan. 
Nimoy directed three. I think I think it was I think, I think Myron did all the odd all the even ones because he because he, he, he did six too. He only did two and six. I thought he didn't do four. Oh, okay. No, I think Nimoy did three and four. That's I'm sure you're right because five was Shatner and that was a train wreck. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I am right. Thanks, Google. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah. But all they right. So all that's connect as the, well. They do. Yeah. I mean, and I think that the 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 death and birth of Spock, I think, is actually not a great movie. But oh no, I'm not saying it's a good movie. I'm just <laughs> but, saying, it but connects. it makes sense. Like <laughs> so, they yeah. fired him out of that big sunglasses case. <laughs> and hell of a thing when Spock died. <laughs> And um, and then he lands on the planet, and is isn't the the thing that they 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 find the barren planet, and she shoots the magic laser at it, and it turns everything on the planet alive. Yeah, he and just it, happened to be there, and he yeah. like undergoes life in you know a week, <laughs> back and, to Nimoy fighting shape. Yeah, so like, uh, again, yeah. Uh, and of course the through the th- the through line to all of it apparently is Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> yeah, weird. <laughs> But yeah, that's it. It's just really hard to do that. Like you, like the Godfather doesn't even count because those are just like they happen to be about the same people, but they're very different stories. Like they're not they're they're very, they're barely related to each other at all. And um, well, one's a well, the second one is half flashback and half sequel. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, like yeah, like you, people love that movie, but the parts with young. De Niro and everything they have nothing to do with anything else they're just, my, they're just showing you more my wife enjoys the chronological version somebody went and like made like a nine hour version of, the, of those three movies and just put them in in, in chronological order and that's kind of fun yeah sure it's a, it's a giant story more godfather but yeah I mean, <laughs> hard, hard to be mad about that I was gonna say Jesus Christ um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's a, it's a hard thing to do, and so I I, I don't I I wasn't jarred or surprised by the, by the end of this. I was just kind of like, I, I mean, you also kind of know like, all right, well, the runtime here means it's time to get going, so it's just going to stop. And I think it's harder to do it in like a Lord of the Rings kind of way, where you have a satisfying end and then you pick up at the, you know like it's just it's like why bother. I, I think they just don't want to do it, and so they're not going to. And you know, it, since it's an original story, it's hard to know what the next one's going to be. Where are you going to take this for another two hours? That's a good yeah. question because if it's, I I think that if it's more of this, it probably won't be very good. You have to give me something different than what I just kind of. I don't know. This it's like how I feel about about Endgame, like. I guess it was kind of different, but at the end it was just one giant battle somewhere where they're all pounding the crap out of each other. You know, not yeah, with mean, lasers, but with their fists for some reason. I mean, the thing with Endgame, at least, is that when you, because I've watched them both a couple of times, Infinity War is nothing but battle scenes. Yeah. And Endgame is nothing but talking scenes. Yeah, it's a lot of chatting. Yeah, and I can always tell when it's right <laughs> because when I speak to the students I teach, they loved Infinity War. Saw it three or four times. Didn't really care for Endgame all that much because it's slow. It is slow. Yeah. And they said the same thing about this. Like, uh, Mr. Brino, don't go see the Spider-Verse movie. It sucked. It was this. It was that. And I was like, oh, now I really want to see it. Because <laughs> you hating it means they're on to something. And like, you know, <laughs> we've been sitting here criticizing it for the last half an hour. But it, it is a... It's still really well written and real acted movie that's trying to do more than just show you more Spider Man story. It's just it's hard and without knowing where it's gonna end up, it's tough for me to say that they pulled it all off here because yeah, you know, like you said, like individual scenes are working better than the whole piece because the whole piece isn't here yet. No. But we'll see. We'll see. I, I think it really got by us because like I laughed a lot. There were still a lot of funny parts to it that I think helped soften some of the edges. Yeah. There's a great a great scene when he's running away from all the spider people. <laughs> and there's like a training room where there's a Spider-Man dangling from two webs. And he's like trying to pull them together. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, 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 they run over him. 
and they run over him and he falls. But like they're making fun of the Tobey Maguire scene where he's trying to hold the train in Spider-Man 2 like uh, by holding it together. <laughs> like that's a thing all Spider-Men have to do. So let's work on it. You know? <laughs> I, I laughed so hard at that. Yeah, I, 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 didn't, I didn't make that connection, but that's really funny. Yeah. And there were lots of little jokes like that I thought were pretty. Oh, good. there's a thousand little things like you know. Yeah. You can see it four more times and see six different, you know, six six more things you missed the first time. Well, that's yeah. It'll be an interesting rewatch just to catch all the little details because you know you can't see them all. So. No, it's impossible. All right. Well, if you have any thoughts about uh, Across the Spider-Verse that you want to share with us, you can let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and or Facebook. You can um, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Make sure that you're buying merchandise over at tpublic.com and leaving five-star ratings and reviews on all these things. Is there anything else? That's it. All right. As always, please drink responsibly, and we'll talk to you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.